Hello, you're listening to Marketing Trek, the podcast that explores new marketing frontiers. News, chat, views, and strategies for marketing pros who want to boldly go where no person has gone before. Your hosts are me, Simon Quarrenden, and him, Dom Hawes. Now, I've been in the marketing communications business for over 35 years, and I thought I'd seen it all. And then the pandemic struck. So we're going to try and guide our group through the crisis. We're inviting as many people as we can to our virtual podcast studio to share interesting, original, and what we hope are useful experiences. And today we're talking to Mark Pinnies from Flagship PR about how public relations is helping companies to stay on the front foot during the global lockdown. So if you want to hear great advice, direct from the front line of marketing communications to learn how the best companies are adapting their communication tactics right now. Don't go away. Now, Simon, you know better than anyone that I started my professional career in public relations a long time ago. I've always had a belief that a great, the great deal of business people, they just don't get PR. When they think about PR, what, what they really mean is media relations, or they mean writing some kind of fluffy content for their websites or something else that's kind of lightweight. So to the unknowing, PR is kind of a nice to have, but it's so much more than that. Mark, what's your opinion? Is PR a poor relation or is it coming of age? Well, from my point of view, um, I could be accused of, you know, if all you have is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. But I always think that public relations is the primary tool for a marketing communications mix. And I think there's two main reasons for that. One is that I think of public relations with the broadest possible definition, which is how does your organization relate with the public? And so that's in every discipline. Um, but actually, right now, what we're seeing what we're hearing from our clients is that their clients have got new needs and being able to communicate effectively with them about the products and services they can offer and also the support they can provide um, is crucial in order to be able to succeed. And then in addition to that, because there's such a lot of change, um, those organizations that are able to think on their feet, be fleet of foot, and provide useful insights to their clients are in a really, really strong position. And that is something which um, is, it sort of enables a bit of a shakeup in several industries. So those companies that have got themselves baked into very sort of standardized ways of working, they're finding it less easy to be nimble. And so we are seeing that this is a bit of a shakeup in the industry, even if it's only at the early stages now. Um, my anticipation is that as we come out of this shakeup, we're going to see that those companies that have dealt with this time well are going to be in a really good place to accelerate out of the downturn. Um, in the old days, you know, the PR people sat outside the boardroom and the boardroom came out and said, we've made our decision and we want you to communicate our decision to the outside world. So they really just acted as a bit of a messenger boy. I, I do think this time around that the comms teams and the consultants are sitting in the boardroom and helping the board make those decisions because so many of the decisions they're making have such a, an important aspect of reputation to it. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a very unforgiving world afterwards where those companies that made a decision 
purely on commercial grounds uh, to save money, which although is laudable and you know, but but actually. Um, you know what? In the light, in the cold light of day, that was that will be proved to be a wrong decision, and there's lots of other reasons why they shouldn't have made that decision. And therefore, having the comms team in the room saying to the board, "Yes, we can save money, but look at the social reputational damage you're doing to the business. Please don't make that decision purely for commercial reasons. Make it or take into consideration the reputation as well, and that may be forcing people to make different decisions." And what you're seeing. Is you know some some companies really stepping up, really taking some really wise, making you know what society would judge as really wise decisions, be it looking after their staff or looking after shareholders, making contributions to the NHS staff, and and I think they're coming out of this really well, and and I think it's probably because I'd like to think it's because they're listening to their professional communications counsellors. Actually, if I may respond to something you just hit on Simon so it's a really good point um and I think it points to something um it's a just strategic decision that a lot of people don't realize they've made and it comes down to the org structure of lots of corporates so when we're talking about public relations and to be clear we don't always deal with PR people you know oftentimes we'll be working with the chief exec or a marketing person or what have you but when you're thinking about specifically the communications professional inside a large corporate, they tend to fall into one of two main buckets. They either report directly into the chief exec or the C-suite or the board in some respect, so they have a direct line into the board, or they're a function of marketing. And my strong suspicion is that those companies that have got PR reporting directly into the board are doing those smart, wise things that Simon just spoke about such as understanding what's going on in the wider world, how do we as an organization respond? It's not what we say, it's what we do and how that matters to our overall reputation. So there's those people will have that sort of hand on the tiller of the company's broader reputation. And then there's the other folks who've got PR as a function of marketing, where those decisions about what we do, they're not involved in, but those decisions about how we look and what we say, they're very much uh, a part and parcel of. And I think, you know, both of them, there is merit in both of those things. Um, I, I'm not in any way deriding those people who see public relations as part of the marketing mix. It often is and certainly can be and has a lot of value there. But they do, it does mean that the organisations respond in two quite different ways. I think that's a really interesting observation, actually. Uh, and I hadn't thought about it in, in those clear terms, actually. What I see in the media is a lot of noise about budgets being cut and the definition or sorry the distinction i should say that they make there is is who's driving decisions and if it's the coo they're cutting cost and if it's the ceo who often is more attuned to uh, reputation and image then they're not um, but equally there's also quite a lot of hype at the moment about smart companies increasing budgets in this time to increase their share of voice or excess share of voice have you um, experienced anything marked day to day where you have clients who are doubling down to try and increase their share of voice? What we've seen is, in some instances, companies that went into the COVID challenge era with some content ready to use for the wider world, they've found that that content's no longer relevant. And so what we're seeing is they're producing another wave of uh, data-driven content that's relying on stuff that's happening now and they're able to draw a comparison between before and after 
I think that's really interesting because what will happen now is these people will have a hand on real data, really useful information that's not just useful for building their own brand, but also enables them to present that data at the highest levels of government and at decision making. And so whereas brands have been scrapping it out um, at an industry level to raise awareness among buyers, they're able to elevate themselves to a much broader plane and tell their story at a, at a national or even you know, uh, international level. So that's quite interesting and quite important. I think the other thing that I'd say, and this I think alludes to the point you made, you know, if you look back over the last, I guess, going back to 2008, we've got an annual growth rate in the UK of about 1.4%. I mean, that is stagnation by another name. So generally people have been fighting out for the, a piece of the same pie. Um, as much as it is demoralizing to see people's businesses um, and some brilliant businesses really struggle and you know and it is heartbreaking when you see how hard these smart people work over these years to watch um, you know these fine margins just not be uh, able to be maintained during this time what mean what it does mean is because the overall productivity of the country as a whole will dip there is that sort of space in the economy for people to accelerate and grow so okay we're coming down we'll see you know a dip and the the stats that i've been looking at come somewhere between 20 and even as much as 60 percent down which would be brutal if it is uh fingers crossed it isn't we need to get back out there and be trading again as soon as we can but what it does mean is that those firms that are able to be on the front foot coming out of this um this chicane in the road, they have got a bigger um, uh, road to play out. They've got a bigger field to go hunting in. And so I do sincerely believe that those companies that are able to maintain, and okay, from my point of view, I think about it from marketing budgets because, you know, I'm, I run a PR marketing agency, but where they're able to keep on themselves on the front foot, engaging with customers, innovating, thinking about what their clients are going to need, and then accelerate out of the turn, what you'll find is those companies will be really well placed to thrive. And rather than looking at 1.4, 1.5, 1.6, you know, you're going to be looking at three, four, five percent growth over the short to medium term. And those companies that are doing that are going to be obviously wildly different from as they were on the way in. And so that's that's the way that I'm seeing I guess my interpreting the data that I'm seeing and the behavior I'm seeing from various different clients, if that will make sense. It's a bit like I've never run a marathon. I have run several triathlons, but I've never run a marathon. But this mm -hmm. is like a marathon. And when you all start off, it's a very long race and everybody's striving and they have their own race tactics and they want to keep up the front. If you begin to drop behind the pace setters, if you begin to, to you just drop off the pace, you've got, you've got two decisions to make. You've either got to work extra hard to catch up with the pace setters further down the race, in which case you're going to burn up even more energy to get, get back in amongst them, or you've got to make a decision that you're never going to catch them and you're just going to have to settle for 15th, 20th, 30th or whatever place you come in the race. If you're going to win that marathon, you've got to stay with the pace setters all the way through the race. And there's an element here of brands almost, you know, even though we are in the tough, we're in a tough part of the race, this is, a, you know, terrible, you know, this equivalent of running up a very steep mountain. If you don't stay with the pace setters, if you begin to drop off, you're, you're never going to catch up with them. And the only way you're going to catch up with them, those that are at the front, is you're going to have to spend even more money just to catch up with them. And you may not even still win. So my, I guess my, my, my advice would be is 
you know, think of it as a marathon and, and stick with the pace setters because you're never going to win otherwise. You see, I love a sporting metaphor. And there's not a better one than running a marathon because, you know, I haven't run a marathon either, but I have run a half marathon. I ran Leicester half marathon and the last mile of it is uphill. And I loved that section because the uphill bit is where those people who have done the preparation, those who are fit to fight, actually thrive. And maybe, Mark, as you're saying, what we're seeing here is something that's going to thin out the crowd. Now, there are real lives involved. And like, you know, obviously we feel sorry for the people that are going to be directly affected. Um, but if we can take anything out of this crisis, maybe a, um, a more productive and a leaner economy that is able to do more uh, might just be one of those positive things. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? Making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. I just want to flip things very quickly for our last discussion on today's podcast. And I want to think about PR's role a strategic look at PR's role, given where we are and what we're doing now, because we've touched on the, the, the fact already that some people are cutting budgets. Where do you think PR's role is now? When I think about public relations, I think about it in terms of um, communications more generally. So what are we talking about to our internal people and what are we talking about to our external people? And obviously those two things have to cohere, but they don't have to be identical. I think um, thinking about this as uh, somebody who runs, uh, a, a, you know, our, our own business, you know, I think the primary focus for us has had to be making sure that our team is okay and is sound. And I think that that is true for most businesses. There is a readjustment period, and it's so important that as a company and as a culture, you feel. Okay, and you know there are a number of people in our company who've um, been touched by this illness in um, in personal ways, and it's obviously it's emotionally difficult. And everyone's in their own different circumstances. Some people have got kids at home and are trying to manage that. Other people haven't, and they've got you know uh, isolation and loneliness. So the first function is communicating within your own team to make sure that you as a as a, as a team are to use your, your words fighting fit. Once you've got that, or you know, if you've got a team that's of sufficient scale to do this, at the same time of do, as doing that, you have to work out what it is that you're going to, what's your, going to be your stance through this crisis. Now, as I think I've already mentioned a couple of times, our view and our counsel to our clients has been just focus on what you can do to help your clients. The people who you help during this time will remember it. You know, serve them, do a great job, over-service them, do whatever you can to make them succeed at this time. So if you're a cybersecurity provider, okay, offer more people, more licenses free at home. If you're a legal provider, get your partners on the phone to your clients and talk to them because people have got new stresses and strains that they weren't thinking about. They need support. So be there, be there to support. And that is massively important for you. So that's the counsel that we're giving. And then how do you communicate that out into the wider world? Well, through public relations, obviously, we've got relationships with journalists and what have you. But the journalists are also in this difficult situation. You know, they're used to busy newsrooms. They're used to being able to uh, drop in on the editor and say, I want to take it in this direction. What do you think? They're used to being able to call up their sources, uh, you know, call a company and have 
you know, five potential people to speak to. It's tricky. Now they've got to have people's mobile numbers. So you've got a real opportunity to be on the front foot, to provide journalists with super fast counsel, super smart counsel to help them do their jobs better. So I think if you think about it in terms of how can organizations work, I really do believe that public relations is at the front line, the interface between companies, their employees, and their publics. And we're going to need that skill set to help that interface work as we get through this very, very difficult time. Well, once again, I think Mark's got it right on the money there. I, and I think the if we're talking about the strategic role of PR, what, what this is going to do is to cause a, a sort of fundamental re-ranking of those audiences. And probably in the past, most boards would have paid lip service to the staff and said, yeah, yeah, we hear about the staff. But in reality, our number one, our number one audience is our, uh, um, our stakeholders, our investors, um, and then it's probably our customers, you know, and then it's probably our staff, and then it's our suppliers. And I think what, what this is bringing about is forcing people to re-rank that order of priorities, and probably most companies now would, would put um, their all their their staff a lot higher up, possibly even, and they should be, you know, right at the top, because frankly, you know, good staff do great work and great work delivers great clients. So um, I think what we'll be seeing is a re-ranking. And of course, you know, PR, as, as Mark says, it's all coming down to communication. So to a certain extent, as professional communicators, we're not fussed whether the company wants to communicate with the staff or with their investors because you're using the same tools. But what was his forcing is this fundamental reordering that says, actually, we need to put our staff front and centre first. And what does our communications programme look like? Because it will flow out of that. And so much of the advertising that's taking place and so much of the communications you're seeing is using staff, is using people to sort of demonstrate the wider messaging. So a lot of the branding is all about the people, which, which is it's fantastic. Huge thank you to Mark Pinnis from Flagship PR for a truly, you know, that was an absolute stonker of an interview. And as our podcast grows in popularity, we're being asked for more of this truly insightful stuff. So Mark, that was awesome. Thank you very much. Now, it looks like we'll be starting a gradual return to our workplaces sometime soon. And we wanted to talk to leaders on the front line about how they are managing people through this crisis. So in our next episode, we're speaking to Jeff Watt and Dafina Gracci Penny from the agency Green Target about how they are doing just that. If you've enjoyed the show, actually, even if you haven't, please let us know. But obviously, we hope you have. And if you have, why not like, review or five star us wherever you can? You can find our website at martrekpodcast.com and you can find Simon and me on LinkedIn. So please do find us and connect to us. This podcast is brought to you by Selby Anderson. And you can listen or subscribe to all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Deezer, SoundCloud, Podbean, Podcast Addicts, in fact, just about any quality podcast publisher. Thank you for listening. And until next time, that's a wrap. <laughs>